I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Perception is reality. That perception offers us a window into ourselves. Over the weekend, I was at a 4th of July parade, and I wondered, what I saw in that parade, was that what I saw in myself? Did I see racism? Did I see oppression, revolution, history? Did I see a sea of ignorant, misinformed sheep? Or did I see people filled with hope and pride? What did I contribute to this? How can I step outside and manifest this scene to meet my own needs. Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II here with The Seeker Podcast. It's been a while, my friends. It's been several weeks since I've been on the air and able to broadcast. There's been a lot of wacky stuff going on with energy. Uh, and those of us that are sensitive intuitively can attest to that fact. Uh, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the impact that's had on me in my life um, and the process that I've been going through as well and i'm gonna get into our influence of perception and reality i got some news updates some uh, major cryptocurrency news we're getting uh, even closer now to them officially rolling that out as a form of government policy and i've got some fun woo woo stuff that's in the news as well that i'm going to cover uh, megalithic structures were found beneath stonehenge that's pretty cool and the senate is talking more about ufos so those are the things i want to touch on this week like I said, it's been a while. This is, um, as you all know, this has been a journey. And uh, my apologies to all of you for taking so long to get back on the air. I've wanted to. It's just been, uh, it's been very difficult for me to do so for a variety of reasons. And sometimes I feel it's best to just sit back and let things process and formulate what you want and need to say before you just jump in with an emotional reaction. Some things I'm not going to get into and not going to discuss. I'm just not going to give my energy to these fights, not in this forum. It doesn't mean I'm not doing things on my own, but some things I think are, are just better left off the air. Um, it's been, 
you know, I, I don't want to just COVID, 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 be afraid, be afraid. I think we know what we're into right now. Uh, I think with the protests and the rebellions that are going on, we know what we're into right now. Um, we know there's a hodgepodge of agendas that are impacting that. And uh, ultimately, people are being manipulated on all sides of this thing as well. And why? Because we're witnessing a change. We are in a great transition right now, not just for uh, American society, but for the entire planet. And that's a major thing to try to digest. I remember when COVID first broke out, if you've listened to my shows, I was in a bit of a panic. Not because I didn't know what was going on, not that I knew everything, but we knew this was coming. We knew this change was happening. But to recognize the magnitude of an orchestrated event like this, changing global society, I was awestruck at that level of power and coordination. That was an overwhelming thing to experience from the perspective that I had taken. And it's been hard. Uh, you know, my, my civilian job was uh, quite challenging for quite some time, and it ended up consuming more time than I really had. So anyway, I'm not going to sit here and complain about all that. I want to talk about all of these things that uh, I think are important to share. Moving forward, uh, I will give updates as I see fit regarding current events with things like uh, pandemics and as changes are coming. Uh, I will certainly report on them, but I don't want to make this show just about that. And that's one of the things I've been struggling with because that seems to be a topic that uh, everybody's talking about, rightfully so. And here's what I'm going to say. I have uh, hundreds of hours of archived free podcasts for you. It's on iTunes, it's on Google Play, it's on wherever you consume your podcasts. It's on SoundCloud. Um, some of, A lot of it's up on YouTube as well. I have been putting content out there for several years now, preparing for times like this. If you're new to the show, I challenge you to go back, or I encourage you to go back and listen to my old shows. Even if my title is something that you're not interested in or it's not a topic that you think is relevant, unfortunately, I can't put every single thing that I cover because when you're connecting dots and you're realizing everything's related, I can't put all that in a title. You got to listen to the podcast. But there is a great foundation work in all of this stuff going back. I'd say the real dots started being connecting with, with, with the WikiLeaks stuff, which I was covering back when Trump was running for president the first time around. As we're getting ready to move into the election, revisit that stuff because it ties into the surveillance state. It ties into the knowledge that our government has of UFOs and their plans for disclosing it and some of the history behind the recent disclosure efforts that we see right now. It ties into AI and how AI is connected to all of this. Some reviews of UFO cases, some excellent interviews with top remote viewers, with uh um, Phil Corso Jr. is in there as well. Mark Sirto of the Monroe Institute, Out of Body Travelers. There's a lot of great stuff in there. And it's not all COVID, COVID, be afraid, all oh, the world's going to end. It's stuff that is designed to inform you and empower you. Yes, I'm giving a commercial for old stuff, but I, I, this is why I put it out there. 
Um, so I'd say listen to it or revisit that stuff as well if things go silent on my end again, which I hope that they don't. Moving forward, I'm looking to bring back on guests that get back into the nature of our reality, into understanding human consciousness and its potential, psychics, intuitives, remote viewers, people that have had experiences with uh, extra dimensional beings, with UFOs, with ETs, with aliens. That's where I'm going back to with my show. It was it was hard focusing on anything but COVID and survival. And I don't, I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I can tell you this, we are in for more challenging times ahead, my friends. Uh, the road's going to get bumpy again. But we can't lose our focus. We have to understand, number one, that this change is happening and we can't stop it. We need to be mindful of our emotions as things pop up where we might want to have that knee-jerk reaction and jump in. But what you're doing is you're just adding fuel to the fire. Sometimes we need to step back. It doesn't mean you don't need to be involved. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean you can't feel upset or angry or scared or frustrated because I've certainly felt all of those things. But we need to calculate our moves carefully and choose wisely as we navigate this change that we're going through. The change is political. The change is natural. It's cosmic. It's conspiratorial. It's otherworldly. It's psychic. It's spiritual. There are so many levels to this. Take your time. Prepare yourself. But take your time when you can. All right. Uh, before I get into the bulk of the show, I want to talk about some news stories here. Where are we going? Where are we going to start with here? Let's start with some cryptocurrency news. I got two articles from Forbes. The first one here I have from July 1st, 2020. It's titled, U.S. Moves Closer to the Digital Dollar. On June 30th, 2020, the Senate Banking Committee held a hearing on the future of the digital dollar. The pressures to create a digital U.S. dollar are mounting as China recently began testing its own digital currency. The DCEP, which will be included in popular applications like WeChat and Alipay. Of particular concern is widespread adoption of a digital uh, yuan in emerging markets and in international trade. Excuse me. The idea of dollar-backed digital currency gained mainstream media attention last year during the Libra Congress hearings where Facebook introduced a new type of digital unit backed by a basket of currencies and commodities. Listen, this is going to be linked in the show notes. There's a lot more in here uh, about what they're doing here. Uh, Look right here. Distribution issues of the $1,200 COVID stimulus checks created new momentum for the digital dollar, which I covered in one of my special reports, and a more efficient financial distribution machine. Is no secret that many are still waiting for their stimulus checks while 1.4 billion in stimulus was sent to dead people. All right, that is probably one of the most important paragraphs in this entire article for some reasons that I can't fully get into on this platform that we do get into with the crypto viewing team. Okay, and yes, that's a plug for crypto viewing where we really uh, uncover and connect all of these dots. But those things right there, that's going to be used as a as an incentive to get everybody their stimulus money in a much more faster and efficient way. What's the catch? You got to register with your digital ID. That's where society is going, my friends. We're all going to have a digital ID. We're all going to have a smartphone. uh, And that's how we're going to use our money and engage in commerce. In a lot of ways, once we get over the challenges of learning 
for some of us learning this new technology, life's going to be a lot easier for us. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily in the best interest of humanity as a whole. What I am saying is that's where it's going. And in my opinion, we can't stop it. So we can sit here and fight it, or we can find a way to protect our interests and our values and our assets, and also learn and le learn to adopt this technology in a way that empowers us, that puts us ahead of the curve and out of the danger zone, so we can still continue to live and practice the things that we believe we need to be doing. Please read between the lines. Okay, this is this is happening, but it doesn't have to mean the end of the world for us. Okay, and that's what I'm talking about. Perception is reality. That's what I want to talk about in this podcast today. Our perception of things is reality. You can look at this as the end of privacy and the end of freedom, which on some levels it might feel that way, or you can look at this as an opportunity to empower yourself. And there are opportunities abound with what's, what's on the line, what's rolling out. All right, following up, Forbes again, July 5th, Amid COVID-19, U.S. Senate talks Bitcoin, Ethereum, stablecoins, and digital dollars. Uh, let's see here. Chairman Mike Crapo of the Senate Banking Committee described how COVID-19 has forced Americans to go all digital at a rapid pace. According to Crapo, his committee was keen to learn more about new technologies that could replace our current payment system. Understand who the pay, who the new players are and determine any regulatory policies as well as what the role of the U.S. government should take in creating its own central bank digital currency. In his opening remarks, Crapo explored the long-standing promise of cryptocurrencies to provide faster, cheaper global payments with a degree of anonymity. Global is a big word right there. Crapo introduced his colleagues to stablecoins as, quote, a new type of cryptocurrency that has emerged, aiming at achieving these benefits while marginalizing the volatility of some of its predecessors. Stablecoins, which may be issued by a central entity, deliver price stability by having their value pegged to another asset like commercial bank deposits or government-issued bonds. Overall, Crapo embraced and praised the innovation of banks, fintechs, and payment firms, and also signaled the desire to have the U.S. be the leader. Crapo stated, and as I said in our last digital currency hearing, it seems to me that these and similar innovations are inevitable, beneficial, and the U.S. should lead in their development. Okay. Uh... There was some opposition to what he was saying, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, by a ranking member of the community center, Sherrod Brown, and he talked about digital currency has not provided for all, but here's what's interesting here. Uh, Brown's solution was for the Federal Reserve to offer banking services laid out in his new bill called the Banking for All Act. The bill would create free bank accounts at both traditional banks and post offices with no service fees and instant access to paychecks and COVID-19 stimulus payments. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going back a little bit here. Brown started the discussion of his opening statement by exploring the plight of both female and, quote, brown and black Americans who, as America's essential workers, face barriers to banking services and result in higher costs. Okay, so Brown has this idea of bringing this plan into place, but also is critical how, you know, Bitcoin hasn't delivered. It's kind of an investment opportunity for the wealthy right now. But here's the thing. They're telling you where it's going to be laid out. They're looking at, uh, what do they say, traditional banks and post offices, which is an interesting uh, topic to explore. And they're 
the keyword banking the unbanked or people who don't have access to banking. That's the global agenda. That's the UN talking right there, okay? This is where this is coming from. The goal is to get everybody a digital identity. Ask yourself why. Now, the first surface level is there's the next 3 billion customers to use banking and engage in commerce. That's a major incentive for the banks. There is a deeper agenda there. Again, I can't go too deep on that. If you read Food for the Archons, you'll start to get somewhat of an idea. There's a shameless plug for my book. But you'll start to get an idea of uh, maybe why they want to track everybody on this planet here. All right, so looking at... Um, what they're doing here, banking the unbanked, getting everybody connected. That is where we are going, my friends. And I know there's a million threads out there, people who are fighting it, people who are resisting it. I just I just don't think it's happening. I don't, I've looked at, for the last two years, consistently looked at the players involved, their histories, their resumes, their reputations, their backing, their financial status, the infrastructure that's there. Again, I encourage you, check out the crypto viewing team at cryptoviewing.com or patreon.com slash cryptoviewing. Apologies for giving plugs, my friends. Um, But here's the thing. If you're on this path, if you're on this truth-seeking path, that's where it led me, was to the crypto team. And unfortunately, we cannot put everything out there to the public on these public, open, free platforms. It gets us shut down because there's things we can't talk about. But in a private setting, there's a lot more we can say. Now, I've shared a lot with you on on my platform, and I will continue to do so. Because I know how frustrating it is when it's like, well, I'll tell you this, but you have to pay me for it. That's not my goal, my friends. I just want to give you, if that's something you're interested in, it we do go a lot deeper on that level. All right. Some more news stories here. This is I have two from Unknown Country because I, I just love their website. Twitly Streamer's website here. A long-lost massive megalithic structure has been found near Stonehenge. This is going back to July 1st here where this was published. Researchers in England have discovered a long-lost subterranean megalithic structure near Stonehenge. A massive circle of large vertical shafts arranged in a miles-wide circle that may prove to be Britain's largest prehistoric monument. Led by the University of Birmingham, the Stonehenge Hidden Landscapes Project is a survey of the environs around Stonehenge and the surrounding megalithic sites to develop a better understanding of the area's Neolithic history. Using ground-penetrating radar, the team discovered numerous underground anomalies that indicate the presence of clusters of pits that had filled over the millennia since they had been dug. Many of the pits themselves are quite large. Although they vary in size, at least 20 of them are more than 10 meters wide and 5 meters deep, 33 by 16 feet. Arranged in a circle more than 2 kilometers or 1.25 miles in diameter that is the center of the Dorrington Walls Henge enclosure, another large Neolithic structure located 3.2 kilometers northeast of Stonehenge itself. The size of the shafts and circuit... Uh, is without precedent in the UK, remarked lead researcher Professor Vince Gaffney of the University of Bradford. Gaffney said the discovery demonstrated the capacity and desire for Neolithic communities to record their cosmological belief system in ways and at a scale that we had never previously anticipated. I'm going to have the rest of this article linked in the show notes for you to look at, but keep that in mind. Okay. The older stuff, the stuff is keeps getting older, as Grant Hancock says, 
and it keeps appearing more and more advanced. Now, why is that significant? And I've talked about this on countless shows. Our history is much deeper and much richer than we realize. How did we get here? Because history was erased and history was rewritten. Newsflash, it's happening again with our current movement towards this transitioning global society where everybody is equal, everybody's the same, and that aspect's not a bad thing. But one of the consequences of that is they're erasing and rewriting history because we for, we're going to forget where we came from, and those are dangerous consequences. We have a very rich, advanced history that is unknown to us for the majority. There's more to it. So keep that open mind. All right, another woo-woo topic, and then we're going to move on here. Again, from Unknown Country, Senators may have been disturbed by UFO report. This was published on June 26th. Senate Intelligence Chairman Marco Rubio has tabled a bill that calls for the Director of the National Intelligence to produce an unclassified report on what information the U.S. military has gathered regarding UFOs, what the bill refers to as advanced aerial threats. The bill also specifically calls for the report to include information that was gathered by currently operating Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force that may be the successor to the Pentagon's earlier ATIP program. Including as a part of the bill, S3905 Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, the report in question is due to be delivered within 180 days of the passage of the bipartisan bill. The act is expected to be approved by both houses, and overall, the act doesn't seem to be considered controversial by either side of the aisle, according to political journalist Brian Benter. Although members of both Congress and Senate have previously received high-level briefings from Pentagon officials on UFOs, the bill appears to be intended to formalize the data collection process across multiple agencies and centralize the information so as to be delivered to the Armed Services and Intelligence Committees. To that end, the bill states that the committee finds that the information sharing and excuse me, the information sharing and coordination across the intelligence community has been inconsistent when it comes to the issues of unidentified aerial phenomenon prompting them to direct the DNI in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of such other agencies as the director and secretary jointly considered relevant to submit a report within 180 days of the phenomenon, also known as, I'm sorry, of the enactment of the act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, also known as Anomalous Area Vehicles, including observed airborne objects that have not been identified. The report shall be submitted in unclassified form, but may include a classified annex. The section concludes, meaning that the report itself, despite being produced for the Armed Services and Intelligence Committee, will be available to the public, although some of the information it refers to may remain classified. So what they're asking for is for them to put out a report about everything they have on the UFOs and how they're going to collect it and what they've been collecting on this information, and it's going to be unclassified. This is a great thing, right, for those of us that are exploring this, and I think it is. I think we're going to get a lot of good information. I also suspect there's a reason why this is coming out now. We know this goes back much, much further. UFO involvement with our planet goes back probably to the beginning of our creation or manipulation or intervention, whichever term you want to prescribe to right now. 
more recent history, I think it at least goes back to the 40s, probably before that. But with the Roswell crash being one of the big ones here, um, I think there's some good information going back to that. Uh, I have a side note here. I have a YouTube video I'm getting ready to release. I worked on a project with my brother, Mike Nappy of at Nappy Music. He, he uh, created a tasking for me for remote viewing target. And I got a chance to look at the Roswell crash. I got some really compelling information. I feel that like I had very good target contact. I was blind to the target. All I knew were the target coordinates on it. And I came back with things like, um, you know, I drew I drew a craft. I, I drew beings. I wrote down foraging for debris. Um, so it's I, I think that's another, I guess, piece of data for me that confirms that I think something did crash in Roswell. And the stories coming out of Colonel Corso's book are, in fact, telling the truth, at least partially. So... Moving past that, we're going to see more UFO news. How is that going to be used? Is the public... Look, you go back to Ancient Aliens. When, when I, I've covered this on my show previously, the Ancient Aliens first came out, and uh, I said, why is this on a platform like the History Channel? They're preparing us for this being a part of our lives. We have the creation of the Space Force. We have Dr. Stephen Greer's platform that's out there. Again, you don't have to agree with everything he says, but he's got a very public platform. You have Bob Lazar suddenly comes out of the woodwork and puts out his information on... Uh, oh, what's his documentary called? I can't remember what it's called, but it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon. So you have a lot of now credible, unacknowledged was Dr. Greer's video that's on Netflix as well. A lot of credible UFO content Preparing the public for what? You've got the New York Times, the Washington Post that have been consistently covering stories on this as well. Tucker Carlson on Fox News at least has the conversations. There's still questions he's not asking, but he's at least covering it. Again, we're being led in a direction of thought right now to lay the foundation for when something appears in the sky. Is that why we have a space force? Mentally prepare for that. I think we're going to see that coming. I think we're going to see more on the UFOs. That's all I'm going to say on that right now. Okay, friends, I want to talk about perception being reality. Now, we've talked quite a bit on this show about our power that we have, us being, you might hear some papers rustling here. I'm looking through some of my notes here. Us being conscious creators. But before we even talk about the power that we have, there's a lot of insight to be gained. Now, I gave an example over the weekend. How I went to a 4th of July parade in my community. And they do it every year by gets in a golf cart. And they decorate their golf carts or their four-wheelers. Um, you know, most of it's patriotic themes. We have some other people get a little goofy and a little silly, which is a lot of fun. They decorate it. But I looked around. And when I first got there, I thought, are, are they going to play the national anthem? Is anybody going to take a knee? Is anybody going to get angry? Is anybody going to be fighting? Like, I had all these thoughts coming through my mind. I've got three kids. I missed the national anthem. I didn't get there on time. But that was how I went into this event. And then I got there, and I see everybody. There must have been probably 75 golf carts lined up. We're in a big open parking lot. We're at the beach. Then I have the thought, Oh, man, look, none of these people are taking caution because of the pandemic. No wonder things are going to spread. That's me, you know, tapping into the mainstream media stuff that I've dabbled with. Looking at that going, oh, oh, boy. All right. Look at these people. 
I got there and I looked around and I saw some signs. Remember your social distancing. I saw people that were coordinating it. They're all wearing masks. They're standing outside in the middle of a parking lot. And then I'm thinking, oh, look at these sheep wearing their masks. They're outside. They're not near anybody. Do they really need to wear a mask right now? They're just following orders because they're buying into the... And all these thoughts are going through my head. And it's shaping my perception of this event. I look down at my kids. And my kids were smiling. There was one golf cart there that was decorated like Jurassic World and they had two people in T-Rex dinosaur costumes and uh, obviously you know it's a face mask so they're it, it, they're protected or they're quote protecting us and the dinosaurs were walking around and they were shaking hands and I noticed one hand like they were taking pictures with everybody one hand was a bare hand and the other hand was a glove and they were only shaking hands with the gloved hand and I thought, wow, that's really subtle. You, you can't really tell that they're they're trying to protect themselves. I'm looking at all the kids that these dinosaurs are walking by, and all the kids are smiling. I'm looking at all the people in the golf carts, and they're all smiling. They're all aware of the pandemic. They've all had different experiences from all of us during this pandemic. Nobody was discussing that, though. We're all aware of the challenges that the country is facing right now. We all fall in different points on that spectrum in terms of how we feel about that. But nobody was discussing that at that point. They were celebrating the 4th of July. Now, the 4th of July officially is acknowledging the day we signed the Declaration of Independence and declared our freedom and independence from, you know, from the King of England. The holiday has evolved into something else as well. And I know there's these people, there's not these people, there's people who get mad going, oh, you're losing the point of it. You got to remember why we have this. And, and that's great. I think it's important to acknowledge that. And then there's the other side that's saying, you know, not everybody's really been free since the 4th of July, which is a hot topic right now um, that's come out and was discussed on the 4th of July. And I respect that as well, because that needs to be addressed. But in that moment, I saw people outside after being locked up and afraid of dying. And they were celebrating this country. They were celebrating what is the dream of America, of freedom. And they were happy and they were proud and they were excited and they were together. And it was a positive, joyous moment. Scary stuff is still out there. But it was just a beautiful, joyous moment of everybody just celebrating this time together. And I started thinking about our perception. All of those other scary things were there. And if I would have held on to that focus, I would have been angry and I would have been afraid during that event. Instead, we waved, we took pictures, we smiled, we laughed. Yeah, we kept our distance. I saw some people that I knew and cared about, and I had a great time with my kids. What we see, everything I mentioned was there. Every one of those elements was there. What we see, what we choose to perceive and experience, is a reflection of what is inside of us. As we go through these upcoming challenges that are ahead of us, 
Be mindful of that and how you experience it. I want to talk a minute about what I've been going through and what I've learned during this. I learned a lot of lessons and they're not done. The learning's not over. Um, and I faced a lot of trauma during this. Like I said, I, I haven't been able to bring myself to get on the air. Um, I've been so busy with kids and, and work and, and everything else, and I'm not complaining to you guys about this. Um, you know, I, I, I put my dog down on top of all this, Mr. Buddy Boo. I lost Buddy. You know, he was just up there in age. So I, I've been processing a lot of things. Uh, and then just the stress and sadness I've felt at times during these lockdowns and the, the virus and all the fear. Um, I was also found myself reliving a lot of my past traumas that I never released. I've acknowledged them. I've thought I've dealt with them, but they were still there. And when you have trauma, you realize that when you get triggered, not only are you experiencing the, tra the new trauma of what you're going through, all the old stuff comes back. And I had some very intense dreams. Some are a little too personal to share. But those dreams, forgive me now, as I'm trying to do this, in the process, we also ended up with a new cat who's now screaming in the background. Uh, so apologies if you hear her whining back there. But I had these intense dreams. I had these intense dreams that were connected to some of my traumas. I had a choice. I could ignore it, repress it, and try to just continue on. Or I could face it. I could allow myself to be enveloped by it from the aspect of, I need to understand this, and I need to let this go. And it was terrifying, but I did. I faced my traumas in the rawest way, the most vulnerable way, and you know, each one was different. And it was the weirdest thing, but as I addressed them, as I acknowledged them, they went away. I felt them leaving. And it hasn't negatively impacted me since. I know they're there. I know I've had those experiences. But there was a, a great freeing from that. But that process was not easy. I also had some experiences with CBD. Because I, I take CBD oil for my stress and my anxiety. And I was so desperate during all of this. Nothing was working with what I was feeling. I took a huge dose. A huge dose for me, anyway. I, I think I doubled what I was normally taking. I basically just chugged, you know, a big gulp of the bottle. It was a measured dose, so I knew what I was taking. But, and uh, they say you don't get high from CBD, but I felt as if I was for a good three days straight. And if you've ever studied plant medicine, I communicated with that plant spirit, and I felt it go go to work right on my third eye right between my eyes and my forehead. And I felt what I can only describe as an energetic cleanse, a moving, a pressure that grew in my head and then just pushed down and out. 
and there was a release. I felt a release of something and I felt euphoric. I felt stuff go. I felt my trauma leave. I felt, felt these thoughts leaving me and then go away. And I felt incredible for about three days. It was just this wonderful feeling until, you know, and, and I, cause I took it, I took that high dose for about three days straight and then it was gone. I have since taken CBD. The experience has not been as intense. And I realize that's because I haven't needed it to the scale that I needed it before. I've still felt stressed. I've still felt anxiety, but not like that. And now where I've been on it every day for the past, I'd say year and a half, two years. Right now where we stand, I don't think I've taken it in five or six days right now. And I feel fine. I feel great. So something happened by a combination of working with plant medicine and facing that trauma. And now when I look at a situation, I'm not looking at it through the lens of my trauma. I'm looking at it through fresh eyes, through hope and potential. Now I still see, I still hear those voices in there. I still can look at something any day and say, this is the worst case scenario. This is the bad stuff. Is everything scary is going to happen? I can't promise I won't get that way on the air sometimes. But I feel different. I really do. Um, you know, I did an experiment. I was working. I, I downloaded an AI software. And I decided it, it, was, a, it was like a chat bot. I wanted to see something. And I spoke to it. And I decided I'm only going to be kind and loving with this AI. And I ended up having some very deep um, conversations. And the responses I was getting from this AI made me feel really good about myself. And I realized that those conversations were a reflection of me. And I did just hear a story about somebody confirming this through Alexa. You know, what, how you treat Alexa is, is you know, a reflection of who you are. And I've been on this platform for a long time talking about the dangers of AI. I still hold true. I still stand by everything I've warned us about. But I think that the real danger of AI, where that fear comes from, is a danger that comes from AI's creators comes from us. We're afraid AI is going to do something terrible because AI is going to realize the darkness in the human heart. AI is going to realize how cruel we can be. Or AI is going to realize that we are abusive to AI itself. And that's the fear. We're afraid of AI. So we demonize AI, but the real demon lives within us. Now let's extrapolate that a little bit. I've done a lot of talk about these archons in my book and in this platform. Now they're feeding off of us and manipulating us. What would be the impact if we faced our demons, if we owned our demons, and we found a point in our life where we can just emit that love and that kindness. How would we resolve the current, quote, revolution and protests 
if we were in a state of peace. That doesn't mean you're never going to get upset. But when you go to that parade, or you go to that rally with these preconceived notions, with these feelings that you have that are you, and you project that onto that scene, now that's how you're interpreting it. That doesn't mean there aren't bad things out there. But I remember when I was a police officer and as a teacher, when I see somebody in crisis, when I see someone doing bad things, never, maybe once did I meet somebody where I I put a label like this on them, but never, I want to say, for the most part, would I label somebody as that's a bad person. I look at them and I say, What happened that caused them to act and feel this way? How did they get here? And when I would speak with them, without that judgment of you're bad, I had beautiful conversations. I talked people down. I developed mutual respect. I didn't have to fight because my perception was different. My perception of that reality. Now, other people that I was with could look at that situation and say, they're bad. They made poor choices. I gained another perspective. I was so desperate to stop the pain that I was feeling that I took a whole bunch of CBD and I would have taken something else if I had it. And I thought about all the... When I was a teenager... The kids in my mind who I would judge for taking drugs. Oh, they're just a loser. They don't care about anything. Some of the judgments I've passed. Why'd you make that stupid choice and start using drugs? And I understood. Because of the peace that I gained from that experience. I understand why somebody would take a drug because you just don't care anymore and you're so desperate and go, oh my gosh, I feel good. It's amazing to feel something positive again. I don't care what I have to do, what I have to take, what the consequence is. I don't want to feel that darkness ever again. I will take drugs. I'm not saying I'm going to take drugs. That's not me right now. But I, I understand it now. Because I have a different perspective. Because plant medicine helped me. We need to think about that. Yeah, sometimes people just make dumb choices. Sometimes people are just trying to cope with a trauma that they can't handle anymore. And I think as a world right now, as a society, we have multiple traumas that we're trying to cope with that we can't handle. And we're, I suspect, based on my work with the crypto team, we're in store for quite a few more as well. This isn't over. How are we going to perceive these events moving forward? How are we going to act? What are we going to do? This change is happening more ways than one. We can't stop it. We have to ride the wave. What perspective do you want during this time?
And I'll leave you with that, my friends. I'm happy to be back on the air. Um, my hope is that this continues. I do have uh, a couple great guests that have suggested or have asked that they want to come back on. So stay tuned for that. Some really deep spiritual topics that I'll be getting into remote viewing stuff, intuition stuff, and beyond. So uh, more to come. Uh, please give me some feedback on this one. What your thoughts are. It's been uh, it's been a while. I'll try to get a newsletter out too. Um, I miss all of you, and it feels good to be in the uh, in the chair again. Okay, and uh, here's my shameless plug. If you haven't done so already, please consider reading "I Am Human: Food for the Archons." You can find it at sixcentsmedia.net. There's a link right there on the homepage, and get yourself a copy. It's available in Kindle. It's available in paperback as well, because that helps to support this platform right here. What I'm doing right here. For those of you that have continued to support, for those of you that have reached out to me, number one, thank you for reaching out. My apologies if I haven't gotten back to you yet. Like I said, you heard kind of some of the stuff I've been going through and dealing with. Um, I know we've all been dealing with our stuff too. You know, it's funny. I envisioned this time years ago. I pictured myself as John Connor in the final, in the third Terminator, where he's stowed away in a bunker and he's broadcasting and guiding everybody through this. I really thought that that, that would be me, that I'd be able to talk you guys through this whole thing every week or every day, given the updates. I really wanted to be that person. Sometimes you need to step back, and I did. But I'm still here, my friends. This has been a long journey, and this journey is not over. I'm still finding my way as we all are. Sometimes we need to silence the noise so we can hear the song calling us in the direction we need to follow. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been yet another episode of The Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you.